Well, welcome everybody to those online. Very Merry Christmas. Glad you're with us today. So good to be together on Christmas Eve. You know, um, as you know, I work very closely with Adam DePasquale, and um, Adam is gifted at many, many things. If you know him, you know this about him. In fact, if you come back tonight at 7 or 11, you're going to see some of his incredible orchestration on this on the stage. I hope you will. It, this is a great day to come to church twice, I think. So I, I encourage you to come back. But one thing that you might not know about him is that he processes by capturing things on paper. And uh, he writes prolifically. And I benefit from this because so often when we're preparing for things, it's Adam who is scribing everything. And so when the time comes, like, like Christmas time, and we've done our planning in the spring and the summer for Christmas, I can go back and see everything we thought about in those days. Because you come to a Christmas message and, and you think, what was it that we were trying to focus on? Yes, obviously the birth of Jesus, but we try to you know, give you a, an angle that might kind of awaken your thoughts and awaken your emotions, help you connect with Jesus at Christmas in a new way. And as I went back to that document that Adam had so nicely uh, laid out, I saw these words over and over again for the message that I was going to be preaching. Wonder and curiosity. Wonder and curiosity. And at first I thought, I'm okay, I'm not really sure how that's going to fit for me. I'm going to just prepare my message but as I prepared it, by the, by the end of it, I realized I wrote a message about wonder and curiosity. So thank you, Adam. Thank you so much for being our scribe. Today, my hope is this. If at the end of this short message, this has happened, I think I'll have succeeded. So let, you'll tell me with your smiles by the end if I've succeeded. I hope today that your eyes will be opened to the wonder of Christmas and your heart your heart and your mind would engage with curiosity that leads to action. Wonder and curiosity. I think you're gonna be able to relate to this story. As a kid, I loved Christmas morning, didn't you? Did you look forward to it? I think in most of our households, you probably have mem memories of Christmas morning. It was always a hard night of sleep when I was a kid, to, to sleep through the night, to get to the morning. And, my, and that's kind of an interesting thing for me because anyone who knows me well, it's the family joke that Craig can fall asleep anywhere at any time. In fact, I fell asleep in a stadium of 20,000 screaming teenagers when I was a youth pastor one time. There were other leaders there, don't worry. But somehow, even after tossing and turning all night, I remember this particular uh, Christmas Eve where I, I fell asleep and in the morning I woke up. I, I always was the first one awake, at least that's how I remember it. But we had strict rules that my dad had set in place that you do not go downstairs until everyone was gathered. I always followed that rule, of course. Never snuck down for a quick peek at what was under the tree. One of dad's traditions, which I did not like at the time, but I've come to embrace myself as a dad, is that he would, it felt like he kept us on the top of the stairs for an eternity. I love it now. Hated it then. Love it now. And then we'd be released. And I just, we would just fly down the stairs to see what we would see under the tree. And it was always, uh, almost always, an amazing sight. There was always maybe that unwrappable gift, the street hockey goal that you can't wrap. There it is sitting out in the open, or a bike. Who's going to wrap a bike? It's got a bow on it. There it is to be seen. It was exciting. And you saw the presents that were wrapped in the stockings over the fireplace. Picturesque morning. Almost too much to take in. Now, I said it was usually an amazing sight, but there was one Christmas that was different. 
I'm sure we got some nice things. I'm sure we did. But as the morning was drawing to a close, you know, my mom orchestrated the morning so that the presents would be open in a certain way and everyone would get their turn. And it came to that last gift. And I was hoping this gift was going to redeem the morning because it hadn't been as stellar as previous Christmases. We always knew when we were getting the same thing because usually they are wrapped in different colored wrapping but the same size. You know, you could tell it was going to be the same thing. And that was the case in this case. So my brother, my sister and, all, and I, all with the same size thing. It was big, so I was hopeful. It was placed in front of us in front of us and we started to unwrap and I wish I could teleport myself back to that moment to see my face as I opened what it was because I didn't know what it was. I was confused. The pinnacle of our Christmas morning could not be a blanket, but it was. I remember looking through it thinking this must be a joke. I hope that I was fooling my, my parents with a false sense of excitement I don't think so. Not in my, my little 10-year-old or so self. What I didn't know in that moment was that this blanket would change my life and the lives of my brother and sister as well. How could I have known? See, times were a little bit lean in the Maori family at that time. My dad had quit his job and started a business with a partner, and we weren't poor, but we didn't have a lot at the time. We lived in a, a center case colonial our center staircase colonial where you had the two rooms in the back of the house, the kitchen and the family room, and two rooms in the front. We quartered off that back side of the house, and it was the only place that was heated in the, in the wintertime. And we had baseboard electric heat, so it was expensive. I don't even think we used the heat in that space when we had that wonderful kerosene heater on the linoleum floor pumping out little to no heat. That was the experience. So at the end of the day, when you went upstairs, it was like... You could literally see your breath sometimes. It was that cold. So the biggest disappointment Christmas gift became my favorite after I plugged it in and took it for a test drive. Yes, it was an electric blanket. And it brought excitement and thrill all winter long. You know that sprint that I was telling you about when we went down the stairs to the tree? It was the same sprint every night as we ran up the stairs to turn on the electric blankets, only to go run back down the stairs. And then when we went back up, snug as a bug in a rug, when you got inside that blanket. Yeah, your nose was cold in the morning, but the rest of you was okay. No one ever said that my parents weren't practical. So thanks, Mom and Dad. It was a surprise, though, an unexpected champion of the Christmas gifts that year. So much about the Christmas story is kind of similar to that. It's surprising. It's unexpected. It's unlike anything that you could have ever imagined. And far beyond an electric blanket, it's eternally life-changing. The story, if it's true, is incredible, and it changes everything. We've been in a series called The Road to Christmas, and today we're looking at The Road to the Stable. The story of Jesus, Mary, Joseph, their journey to that stable, and the shepherds as they came to that place. I want to start today with a little background introduction that catches us up to where we've been. We start with Mary and Joseph, and Jesus, of course, who is in utero with Mary at that moment. They've just traveled 70 to 100 miles. 70 miles if they went the short way, 100 miles if they went the long way. There's debate on which way they went. They went 
on this road to Bethlehem. And if you remember from Clay's sermon last week, this is what it looks like, a long distance from north to south. And what you didn't see last week is some of the topography of Bethlehem. As you look at this photo, you're gonna see that it's a harsh landscape. It is very rocky. If you close your eyes in Bethlehem and take a step, you will step on a rock. It is that kind of a place. But from 700 years before the time of Mary and Joseph and the birth of Jesus, these words were prophetically spoken by the prophet Micah. He says, but you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, are only a small village among all the people of Judah, yet a ruler of Israel whose origins are in the distant past will come from you on my behalf. They traveled to this town. I wonder if those words were ringing in their ears or if they hadn't yet made the connection. But we make the connection today that the fulfillment of of prophecy was happening. But they're going in the most unusual, for the most unusual reason, it's, it's not a, it doesn't seem like a holy reason, does it? They're going to pay taxes. That's, that's what they're doing. To follow through on normal governmental um, callings that they have to do. Nothing exciting. They look like helpless pawns caught in the movement of ordinary governmental processes. But the Lord Jesus, I'm sorry, but God the Father was planning every step. We see it as we read through scripture. The savior of the world would be born in little insignificant Bethlehem. And the conditions were tough. They were rough. There was no reservation for Joseph. Maybe he tried to make one. Maybe there was nothing available. We know there was no family or friends there because had they had family or friends there, that's who they would have stayed with. And as they arrive, there's not even what would have been found in a a, a roadside inn in those days. It would have been a large room with kind of cubbies, little stalls that would give you a little bit of privacy and keep you out of the weather. That wasn't even available. All that was available was a common yard where the animals were kept. All that would have been provided would have been food for the animals and a fire to cook on. That's it. Here they were. Here Mary was, urgently pregnant, And one of these interior stalls, not even available for her. They're relegated to nothing more than a common courtyard or perhaps even an attached cave. And I think there's good reason to believe that their firstborn firstborn son, Jesus, was born in a natural cave. When you go to Bethlehem, you see that landscape. And just up the hill from Bethlehem is this place called Bet Sahor. It's called the Shepherd's Field. Now, this was not the place that Jesus was born, but I believe it could have very well been the type of place he was born in. And I'm telling you, they've made this nice. But in it, it's a real cave, a natural cave right in the side of the hill. It's a place where the other travelers' animals were likely tethered. Only Joseph was there with Mary to help her as she gave birth. The pain that she experienced was not just physical, but they're experiencing poverty. They have nothing. People's indifference, can you imagine the indifference they're experiencing to not even be offered one of those meager housings that someone else could have given up for them? The humiliation and helplessness, the shame of not being, of Joseph perhaps, of not being able to provide for his Mary. The smell that would have been in that place. 
I have been in one of these caves that actually still has livestock in it, and it's foul. I just want you to imagine it. It Totally enclosed. And here you see what they would have had to lay him in. I picked a cute picture because I thought the, the sheep were cute. But pour the water out, and it's a cold stone basin that he most likely was put in. So put away the romanticized image of a nicely crafted wood manger with clean hay. They had to use, use what was available. And what's available in Bethlehem is stone to this day. But there's wonder that we can see in this whole story as well. This is the stark reality, but the wonder is in the incarnation that the God of the universe, Jesus, came in flesh. You could argue that the road for Jesus began after his birth, but if we said that, we'd forget that he already had traveled a great distance from heaven. He had descended from heaven. The author of creation came to dwell in what he had made. He willingly laid aside his glory. He took on the limitations of humanity. The omnipotent God, the all-powerful God of the universe, became a baby, completely dependent upon others for his care. The most powerful person ever born entered the world in total simplicity and humility. The author Kent Hughes says, no child born into the world that day seemed to have lower prospects. And I think he's right. I want to read to you something that Kent Hughes wrote that captures for me what Jesus did for us. Listen to it. Why? Why did Jesus travel so far? I was asking myself that question when I spotted the squirrels outside my window. They watched me type on my laptop while I watched them store their food and climb in the trees. We're mutually amused. But I've never considered becoming one of them. The squirrel, would, the squirrel world holds no appeal to me. Give up the Rocky Mountains, fishing, celebrations, and laughter for a dirty hole in a hollowed-out tree. Count me out, but count Jesus in. What a world he left. Our finest mansion would be a tree trunk to him. Earth's most delicious cuisine would be walnuts on heaven's table. And the idea of becoming a squirrel with claws and a furry tail, it's nothing compared to God becoming a one-celled embryo and entering the womb of Mary. But he did. The God of the universe was born into the poverty of a peasant and spent his first night in the cow's feed trough. The God of the universe left the glory of heaven and moved into our neighborhood. Who could have imagined he would do such a thing? Why? He loves to be with the ones he loves. This is how scripture talks about it in Philippians 2, 6, and 7. Though he was God, this is Jesus, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. Philippians 2, read it around Christmas time because it's such a powerful passage to remind us of what Jesus did for us. What an unexpected, unimaginable thing to have done. Jesus' road to the stable was a wonder-inspiring act of love for you and me. What about the shepherd's road to the stable? Who were these people? 
There's much written about them, but I'm going to make it simple. These were nomadic hired hands who lived out under the stars. They were no one special. That's the point in the scripture passages. Like Mary and Joseph, they were no ones from nowhere. They were the least likely group of people to be the first ones to hear the announcement from the angels. They would have never expected that the God of the universe would send his mighty angels to meet with them. They were overwhelmed by it. They were likely grazing their flock in a valley, which I'm going to show you right now, in Bethsahor, which is right next to Bethlehem. And at that time, was, was not, didn't have any dwellings. It would have been the fields. When I was there recently with a team, or with a group from Walnut Hill, we, we saw shepherds tending their flocks in that valley that you can see right there. Listen again to the words from Scripture about what happened while they were there. That night, again, picture the place. The shepherds were staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them, Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. Suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. We, we lose a little bit of the urgency of the shepherds through our English translation. But I want to just, this is what it says. Let's go straight to Bethlehem. We're not altering from the path. It's a beeline to Bethlehem. And then it said, and they came in a hurry. The curiosity in them of what they've just experienced, this miraculous moment in time, leads them to take action, and they do it fast. They do it immediately. Can you remember some of the stories we've been talking about all through this Christmas season? When Mary heard from the angel, what did she do? She quickly went down to see her, her relative Elizabeth. Again, the response is immediate. And I love this, that we see that happening. And so they go up from that valley to Bethlehem. And they come to this place that I'm going to show you next. Now, it's not going to look like what it looked like then, but there's incredible proof that the church of the nativity in Bethlehem is the place that Jesus was born. I'm not going to talk to you about archaeology today, but I could, and it's exciting. And they go down into this grotto, which was likely a cave, a natural cave, because we see that when we're there. And the next picture will show you where they believe Jesus was actually born. Incredible place to, to visit. Now, this next picture is going to give you more of an accurate idea of what a cave might look like in that day. Again, this is going back to that first picture except a wider shot, and you can see what in the sides of the walls. Little niches carved out of the rock. And I am, I, I, these, are, these are mangers. These are where the animals would have eaten. At the time, the floor would have been higher up so they could just dip their head over get some water, get some hay, get whatever was in, in those mangers. Perhaps Jesus was laid in a stone niche just like that. If not that, in one of those stone uh, mangers that I showed you. The shepherds follow where God has led them. 
and they share what God has shown them. And they do it with haste. They know the meaning of haste in this moment. They were transformed by this encounter with Jesus. They were never the same again. Scripture shows us what they did. They couldn't hold it in. They were so excited. Their curiosity emerged. So I point to us today. What is our road to the stable? What is your road to the stable? Again, my hope as we talk today is that your eyes would be open to the wonder of Christmas. The wonder of Christmas is the incarnation that Jesus came in flesh to do what he would do out of love for you. And that your heart and mind would engage with curiosity that leads to action. The good news isn't just for Christmas, friends. It's what gives us life to the full each and every day. Embrace the wonder. Embrace the wonder. What journey would you go on to meet God? Look at the curiosity of the shepherds and Mary. I'll read it for you, just, two ver- uh, just three verses. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. But Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. I just want to appeal to your curiosity today through a couple of short stories. Just recently, I was speaking with my sister-in-law, Becca. She shared with me that she had been asking her kids, and particularly Nora, her 15-year-old at the time, what the most impactful experience that she had had in her spiritual journey thus far was. It's a good question to ask. She was kind of surprised by the answer. I was too. Because last year, Nora got the chance to, uh, to go to Israel with one of our teams. So you think, oh, maybe she'll mention that. She also uh, was part of a uh, leadership course that we do at Walnut Hill called Follow Jesus, which I teach. So I was kind of hoping she would say that. You know, I thought that would be a nice thing to hear around Christmas time. But this is what she said. She said it was reading through the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which was part of her year investment in this Follow Jesus leadership course. She was 15 when she read through them. Now, I'm I'm sure she had read scriptures before. She just never read through them from front to back, all the way through, all four Gospels. And as she, I talked to her on Facebook this week, and as she spoke about her experience reading the Gospels, her eyes just lit up. As she said, it was so amazing to discover for myself these, um, this, these stories, these true stories about, about Jesus. I wish you could have seen her face because I could see in her face that transform, transformation she'd experienced by taking the time to allow her curiosity to, to rise and to be touched by reading scripture. Here's another story. One of my passions is sports. I I talk about sports occasionally, and and more specifically, ice hockey. I love the sport. My youngest son, Drew, plays, and I end up spending a lot of time with the parents of his teammates because we travel, we do all these tournaments and things, lots of time. One of the fathers became a a friend very quickly. Um, And this last season, we bonded over, you know, complaining about bad ref calls and and then getting a little deeper as well at times. And just recently... um, I was in a conversation with him about church, about uh, faith. It was about life. And it led to me suggesting to him to consider reading or listening to the Gospels. 
And I could just tell he was curious. I don't talk like this with everybody, every parent on the team. I'm looking for that curiosity. I saw it. There was a relationship. It was an opportunity. I was maybe a little nervous sharing, but I knew it was the moment to do it. I, didn't, I wasn't that hopeful. Forgive me, my friend. If you're watching right now, I think he is. But, I, but at, you know, I, I kind of left with a prayer, and I, I left it as it was. The next morning, I decided I'll just text him. I'll follow up. Just say, enjoyed the conversation. Um, and I sent him a link to our Walnut Hill YouTube uh, page. So maybe, maybe he'll watch something. Well, I didn't hear anything, and, and my skepticism kind of grew. But just a few hours later, I, I did hear from him. What had happened is... He had just changed his cell phone number, so I wrote something to some cell phone number that got lost in space. Who knows where it was? And this is what he wrote to me. Again, having not received my text. What a, let's see. What is a good app to start listening to the Gospels? That was his question in a text to me. I was amazed. I was blown away. That curiosity wasn't imagined. There was something going on there. And then yesterday morning, he sent me a photo of a cup of hot chocolate in front of his laptop with a caption, starting my day with some Pastor Craig, smiley face. It was the last sermon that I had just, that I, that I had just preached, and he was listening to it. He even quoted from the, from the sermon, it's a long journey from my head to my heart. Let me show you something. I bought a Bible up here today uh, just to show you something. Do you know what that is? It's 100 pages. It's just 100 pages. That's all four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, 100 pages. I can't do it right now. I could show you Mark. It's the short Gospel. I, tell it's the gospel for, I say it's the Gospel for hockey players because it moves so fast. 20 pages. It's only 20 pages. I, I hope I could spark your curiosity today to actually get to know this Jesus there's no better way than for you to discover it yourself, discover him yourself, by committing to reading or just listening on a YouVersion app to those 100 pages. Nothing will change your life faster than getting into the story of Jesus. Not just at Christmas time, but to make a commitment of curiosity that takes you to action, just like the shepherds did, just like Mary did. That's what they did, and it changed their lives. Or perhaps to start to come to church again. Or to start online to make it consistent in your life. Come back if you've been absent. I mean, I, couldn't, I can't tell you how exciting it is for me to, to be, interact with these types of stories. With, these are real people who are on real journeys who are experiencing God in a new way. Experiencing the wonder of Jesus and taking curious steps of action. My hope today is that it the same thing will happen to you, that your eyes would be opened to the wonder of Christmas and your heart and mind would engage with the curiosity that leads to action. Restart or get started in this new, in this new year on a journey to the stable, to Jesus. Start it today. It's a gift, that relationship with Jesus, that gift, it's so much better than any other gift even an electric blanket. Let's worship. Let's stand together.